Uh, welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host, and I'll be joined by John and Super Pete Novikowski. And with everything going on, European Super League coming and going, we've certainly fell on. Uh, but we'll try and keep it upbeat. This is the Love Sport Podcast. another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. So happy. It's been a fair while. We've got Super Pete, we've got Super John and uh, Mediocre Paul. So welcome, boys. Oh, mate, it's above average, Paul. Thank you very much. Make sure you uh, correct yourself there, my friend. I'll take above average. <laughs> so, guys, um, a, lot of, a lot of things have happened, obviously, in sport over the last couple of years with COVID, with, you know, crowd restrictions, money, sackings of football departments and so forth. Uh, Olympics that may not happen and are happening. And now we've got the uh, European Super League that lasted about 26 hours. Um, kind of changed the landca- landscape of sport the last few years and just making this show about how sport has changed in that way. And might start with you, Pete, and just see how, how you feel about the, the modern kind of sporting landscape. Yeah, well, I guess it, it, it all kind of uh, descends upon the fact of, you know, this this concept of the rich getting richer, that football is an elitist sport now. It's no longer the sport of the people. And it's, it's driven purely by money. Um, it, it's kind of the nature of what this sport has almost become, as disappointing as it is. It's no longer a, a raw, pure in, and passionate game. In, instead, it is um, fueled by bank accounts uh, and basically old white men trying to get richer. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair call. John, your thoughts there as a starting point? I thought it was pretty sad uh, to watch, and I've talked about this many times, the term that, look, I never heard anyone else say before, but I, I, I made it up. Obviously, I've, other people have used it, but um, I kind of see this as part of the ESPNization of sports. Mm-hmm. And you could see what? it with football where they literally only want to talk about Real Madrid and Barcelona. And... Man U and and all that and this seems to be the end point of that and I thought it was pretty sad to watch teams roll out some ownership new some older some clubs um, in massive financial difficulties looking just because they've got a big trophy cabinet looking to lord it over the rest of Europe and um, you know there's lots to say but as I say the ESPNization of sport and you know they don't talk about other teams. And it bores the crap out of me. There you go. Mm. For me, it's um, it, it, it was one of the saddest days for me, even though we knew it was coming. But, you know, you've got, if we look even at an Australian point of view, you know, an AFL grand final, unless you're an elite member these days, there's no chance of you really being able to go to a grand final. NRL's going down that track. Um, you know, you talk about the Americanisation. It's, it's true it works in American sport, but we have to look at the past of American sport in a way and not blame them because it's, it's, it's not America's fault per se, but you look no, at... No, I'm not blaming America. I'm not no, blaming American sport. I'm actually getting have. on one main network. But people have. John, I'm, I'm not making it a, a point of what you've said, but mm. a lot of people have said, oh, it's the Americanisation. It's, you know, Americans have done mm. this. No, we've all done it. 
you know, uh, for mm. me to get a cap for a sporting team is $50 for a cap. You know, I mean, <laughs> they're good caps, but it's $50 for a cap. If you want to watch Rugby Union, you have to have Stan. If you want to watch, um, you know, the, the Premier League, you have to have Optus Sports. You know what I mean? What, you, you, you literally can't have one point of being able to watch sport anymore as well. And that's all kind of rebel, um, drawn into the one space, I think. Go out and buy a shirt of your team tomorrow for less than $120. I've been in a position where I haven't, as a collector of jerseys, I haven't bought my own team's jersey for like nine years. Mm. And and everyone knows what the reason for that is. But, I mean, ownership and the private ownership of football clubs in, in Britain and Europe and in the places where it's been allowed and was warmly welcomed, let's, let's be honest, as a dawn of a new age is... Um, for some has been awesome and for some clubs has been terrible. Um, I mean, look at Blackburn with their ownership. Ownerships that can't stick it, if they're really, really bad. Look, I'll tell you what, I, w- I would like to know um, both you and Pete's position on this. What's the difference between the way that Real Madrid and Barcelona are currently trading and the way that Bolton Wanderers were? Mm. Pete? They spend the money they don't have. Yeah, well, it's it, uh, it's aspirational, I guess, uh, would be one of the terms that uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona would be kind of saying that, you know, they are the strongest teams in the league and they have to be shown as being the strongest teams in the league on a regular basis, despite the fact that Barcelona has a debt of over a billion dollars currently and that Real Madrid uh, desperately wanted to to sign up to this European Super League because they understand that the English teams have all the money uh, and they get the TV deals. And so, you know, it, it is absolutely bonkers that, you know, you, sp- you spend above your means. And I guess that's what financial fair play by FIFA was actually brought in and was meant to fix. A- and yet we're in this position. You just wonder how a small club. Yeah. Ex- I mean, you, you just wonder how the big clubs get into that much debt when of any, any street corner in Australia, you will see a Barcelona top somewhere or a Real Madrid top. You will see them in every shopping centre everywhere. Um, if you say Spanish football, everyone knows Barca and, and Real Madrid. So you just wonder how it gets to that point. And then you look at their transfers over the last few years. Players not even playing that have been picked up for $70 million. Yeah. It, it's just absolutely done. insane. They've always done that. And they've always sacked managers after three weeks and kept paying them, pay and, them out. <laughs> yep. and all that sort of rubbish. And they've never had a consequence for it. Look, i tell you what, I can distinctly remember back to when Barcelona... Their big, you know, their big moniker was, you know, was one of those. I love this term, people's clubs, which is absolute garbage. When when they used to be a people's club of, of the Catalonia of Catalonia, and that they 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 would say, we don't need to accept sponsorship for our club. We put charities on our jersey. Well, yeah. that's been a long time since I've done that, hasn't it? Because I've actually got one of those UNICEF jerseys here. Yeah, same here. Uh, it's been time since. Well, one of the things um, is going to be the effects on our kids and our grandkids and how they follow sport. And, um, you know, I've said it to at least you, John, and others, that um, my stepson, he's really enamoured with German sports. Um, He loves Bayern Munich. And um, he was just saying, oh, my gosh, Bayern aren't joining, are they? Bayern, when when I was telling him about it. And when I said no, because they got the 50 plus one rule, he was absolutely relieved. And I just thought, 
maybe there is some hope for sport. You know, maybe there is some hope for local sport that people go, no, bugger this. I'm going to go watch my local football club. And that's what I've started doing. So maybe there is, Pete, I don't know, you're the, you're the coach of junior sport. Do you think in, in some ways this could actually benefit local sports? It, it, it could, there could be, but then you're relying heavily upon local sports to be active participants in the community to get out and get themselves known. Um, unless you get, you know, a Sydney FC, a Western Sydney Wanderers and a MacArthur FC, Central Coast Mariners all get out into the local community, into schools, into running grassroots community projects, into running uh, or at least turning up to uh, local clubs, training sessions and promoting themselves and really having an emotional and a physical connection, uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult. Otherwise, you know, a, a team, let's just let's just say for argument's sake, okay, Sydney FC, it's, uh, it's, it might be that I can physically go watch them, but I might not support them because they don't connect with me. And because yeah. there is no... Uh, connection, then there could be a, a conflict of, you know, our values might not align with each other. It might be saying as philosophical as that, or it might be as simple as, you know, a little kid grows up and rather than uh, wanting to play for Sydney FC, despite the fact that he goes off and watches the games, he wants to play overseas because that's the jerseys and the aspiration to go. Um, there needs to be a connection and it has to be deep and meaningful. That's a really good call. Hey, um, John, you're in, you're, you're in schools. Um, so what, do you, what are you seeing there with, you know, what kids are following, what they're wearing, their kind of attitudes to sport at the moment? Well, I'll tell you a true story with regards to the, the big six in England. I've met more, and this is, this is the God's honest truth, um, students who support Port Vale, and that's one, than support Spurs. Yeah, it's a fair <laughs> Wow. Yep, yep. And I'll be always yep. talking football. I'll ask them, you know, um, and and I might be drawing a very long bow there, but I'm being kind of honest with that. Like, I, I've met way more kids who, um, obviously, there's always the, the, you kind of got two lots of kids at school when it comes to football. You've got the ones who follow the sport because their dad or mum or their whole family's into it, right? Or they come from whatever they've got their teams. Um, and I've met heaps of kids who go for West Ham. Um, you know, there's always different clubs around, and then there's all the, then there's the new kids, the kids who just follow the sport now because they got into it, they're playing it, whatever. Um, the big ticket holder there is probably Chelsea and Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, but honest, in, in God's honest truth, like the number of people I've met who support Spurs at school, kids, adults, um, I'm not in the right parts of London. Because I hardly know anyone. And I've been talking and living football. So to turn around and try and tell me they're one of the six biggest clubs in England, I'll eat my hat. Yeah, it's a very fair call. Very fair call. A really interesting one thing I wanted to just touch upon there is, um, you know, one of the legacy projects that Football Australia 
is kind of wanting to bring out now is get more school involvement, get more, you know, uh, inclusive activities in schools. You can see the projects that Football Queensland are trying to put into place. You know, part of one of my jobs at Football New South Wales is to actually go into schools and run programs and run clinics and that kind of stuff. I think it has to also come down to a a bit of a legacy project in terms of, you know, it's not so much that we just go in and we run gala days. We actually need to educate. And by education, I mean that, you know, we need to be able to provide students with the coaching qualifications or refereeing qualifications or business administration concepts and that kind of stuff. Like it, it has to be authentic learning to make it worthwhile in terms of school projects. And to be blunt, I, I personally don't really care who anyone really supports. I think that it's awesome if you are supporting anyone uh, in general. But, yeah, they're just it has to be authentic learning in these school environments to make it a worthwhile experience. And that also comes down to money, guys. And uh, having worked um, specifically in managing sport in those areas, um, when I was working in cricket in Queensland, I had six to eight staff um, and I won't go on the money they were on, but you're looking at to run those kind of programs, you're looking at over a million dollars a year to run those programs on a small scale. So you can imagine the A-League clubs are going to struggle to find that money to to do that kind of legacy item. And that's money does talk it, because AFL's doing it in a really great way around the whole country, the education aspects in schools, the coaching um, the umpiring qualifications for kids and stuff like that is really pushed. So the AFL is keeping that, you know, you think they'd be really espousing that, you know, verbalising it, but they're just doing it. And I'm seeing it big scale. I'm seeing it in Queensland. And I know you're in schools, John, but I'm seeing it at, at, at higher levels like TAFE and everything. The AFL is way ahead of the game. And, and that's where the divide of football or soccer is just not come together, Pete, in, in my mind and my history of following the game. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. The divide is huge. The involvement is huge. The energy levels is huge. And that's something that, you know, desperately needs to change for the future of the game. Again, I I love the fact that when I turn up to a, a school session, I get to look around the field and I generally have, you know, a cricket team. I've got generally an AFL group. I generally have an NRL group as well. And we all get to kind of like, you know, mix and match and work together and basically just create these multi-sport heroes. And and I think that's probably the most amazing thing possible. But, yeah, there definitely has to be a bigger drive of energy because, you know, credit to AFL. They do school sessions and they do kids' engagement so damn well. I like – I, I, one of my favorite things ever, a gift that my auntie bought for me when I was six years old was an AFL footy that basically had written on the footy instructions of different ways to kick the ball. And I had a a VHS that I used to watch learning different techniques. Now, I grew up playing soccer in the backyard, but I loved this footy because it was such an awesome experience. They brought those back, by the way. Um, you know, to how to do a check side and how to do a banana. Oh, so good. So good. Didn't, didn't Dacos invent that? 
Yeah, he was one of the guys who came out with it. Um, uh, he was the one who marketed it, did really well in that regards because he was the guy who could actually mm. do it as well. So I'd love to see Eddie Betts um, doing that kind of thing. But look, we're also, um, in some ways, we're also sport for choice. Um, you know, we've always had the depth of being able to go and see whatever we want around the country in Australia for sport. You, you know, you can see AFL one day you could go and see the Lions play on a Friday night. You could go and see the A-League on a Saturday. You could. We're, we're really lucky around the country that we've got that. By the same token, that means that I can only go by my kids' experience is that they'll go see a basketball game with me, then they'll see an A-League game, then they'll see an AFL game, and it's more, it's entertainment for them. It's not a passion. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and uh, this was exactly the argument that was being brought out upon the European Super League was the fact that That's if you have a closed competition where you can't be promoted, you can't be relegated, it's no longer considered a sport, it is pure entertainment. And that's exactly what we saw with the European Super League bid. It's exactly what we know of, you know, the A-League. It's what we know of the MLS. Um, It's exactly what we know of some of these elite competitions because it is pure entertainment. No one can be promoted. No one can be relegated. There's no uh, connection to a grassroots competition. It is purely a spectacle. And you know what? I mean, that is just the greatest thing about football. Yep. And I don't care what anyone says, and I and I understand the the idea of like teaching people to coach, to be referees, and play and have fun and all that sort of stuff. I actually think one of the most important things about learning to love any sport. This is my experience. Now, I I grew up as a child in Newcastle. The game was handed to me, and the absolute love of that, the team, the sport, and all that, a way of playing, everything else, but. I think that when I went and looked for other sports and got into them, I love to I love to learn about the history, who's what, who's where, how did it start, who was involved, like what does it mean to people. And one of my great joys was um, when I lived in Sydney was going to rugby league grounds and watching. You know, you talk mm. about going to grounds where you don't care about the team. Man, I love going to North Sydney Oval or Leichhardt, or um, I went to Belmore once just uh, be- before the Stadium Australia. I went to Stadium Australia, that sucked. Um, you know, <laughs> been a parent park, all stuff. Um, Parramatta Stadium before it got knocked over, and that was cool. I really, I really love that sort of stuff. Lots of people like that too, because you can connect in this thing. But I believe one of the biggest things about football mate, that we 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 don't want to lose is the fact that I can get side by side with a Sunderland supporter and completely understand everything about what that football club means to them. Yep. And I can share in the pain and I can share in the haranguing of them as they slide down and hopefully they come back up. But this year in, 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 in our circumstance, specifically Newcastle United, I would have not have watched any football this year at all if it wasn't for the fact that we had the sort of Democles hanging above our head. Mm. I wouldn't, you know, what would be the point? I've followed other teams and teams that are important. You can see it when people go on and off teams like in Australia. If the Queensland Reds are at the bottom of the Super Super Rugby table, no one goes. Yeah. If they come to the top, you know, this, you know, Lane Park's going to be full. 
if there was a threat of, of like, if you don't actually pull your finger out, the thing dies tomorrow, the joint will be full because that is a, it drives competition at every single level of every single organisation all the time to get better, even if you're going like a busted. You can't be playing for draft picks. No, you just you, hit the ejection. You, and, and I think and that's one of the things. Oh, sorry, John. Thing. It's a powerful thing. Relegation mm-hmm. is a, you know, if nothing else, as a, as a Newcastle fan, we've had something to talk about for the last 13 years under Mike Ashley because we've been relegated a couple of times and come back up. Yep. Some clubs don't come back up. Some go away forever like Leeds and then they come back. Sunderland's doing that now. It's it's an epic journey. It's a there's so much more to it than just, oh my god, did you make the playoffs and win a best of three series? It's it it, it, it kind of that's you know they talk about football being life. I really think it is. It encapsulates every emotion that takes in far more emotions than other sports do for the fans. And sometimes you only get one second outlet of joy. It's absolutely spot on. And, I mean, we can go sideways on that, that, that those moments of joy disappearing with things like VAR now, where a goal is scored. And, you know, the spontaneous reactions we've all had, that pure joy of that goal going in the back of the net. You're now looking for the VAR result and waiting a minute. I mean, it's even things like that that are starting to really eat away at the fabric of our sport, isn't it? I mean... Even A-League games, we score a goal and I'm looking to see, is it actually a goal? And you've got to wait half a minute to a minute. That spontaneity is being eroded. When a sport's predicated on on so few scoring opportunities, trying to find every reason to not allow it to stand, to me, is beyond ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, is it is it giving extra advertising rights for that extra time? I don't know. I, I, I just – I can't understand some of the decisions this year, and that's a, that's a discussion for another night. Um, the one thing I, I've touched on a couple of times tonight is – and it's not about your comment, John. It's about what I keep hearing and reading is about, oh, the damn Americanization of sports and so forth. American sports are American sports. It's for their public. They have their history – um, you know, we love our American sports and we understand what that's about. You know, 152 games of baseball a year and your 76 games of basketball. And then there's the, what, how many games do we have now in the NFL? Is it up to 17? I've just pushed it to 17. Don't, don't right. break the golden goose. I just don't yes. like that at all. No, so, so, you know, it's all about the extra revenue, the extra weeks and stuff. But those sports I love. But you're right. When it comes to football, you know, a year and a bit ago, Villa doesn't stay up in the Premier League. We would have gone down league after league after league because of financial fair play. But a Barcelona can be a billion dollars in debt and they're fine. I just don't understand how financial fair play is even brought in, Pete, because it doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> oh, geez. It's, uh, it's an absolute farce, isn't it? It's a bit like... Um... You know, you work overtime and so you get told you're going to get some time off in lieu. It's uh, mm. time in lieu, financial fair play, uh, you know, fairness in terms of financial situations. It is an absolute farce. I just don't get it. I mean, you, you show, I've read the, the financial fair play um, guidelines a number of times and Villa refinanced by basically saying we're fixing up our ground. And yep. our own, our owners are billionaires, like literally some of the richest owners going around, but they're trying to do things through financial fair play. So I just don't get it. 
Newcastle get blocked from getting new owners. Um, it just feels like it, it feels like the big six, and I don't want to even call them that, or the big twelve or fifteen or whatever. Look at Italy. We haven't even touched on Italy. Those teams are still saying we want the uh, European Super League because they are absolutely bereft of any money. Their stadiums are crumbling, and the glory days of Juve, AC Milan. Who else signed up for that? Inter Milan. Inter. Inter. They're all they're all broke. So you know, no wonder they're crying out for it. I don't blame those clubs <laughs> to some extent. Well, you know, that's on them. I mean, twenty years ago, they were the kings of the world. You know, Serie A was a standard by which everyone wanted to be measured. Um, you, you know, you can't always, and, and let's be realistic, I mean, I don't think Milan have been a force in, in Italy for quite a while, have they, really? And no. I know Inter have won a title, won a Scudetto here or there. They haven't done squat at a Champions League level. I mean, Juventus might be the most decorated. You know, Juventus is starting to remind me of Rangers and Celtic. Where they win yes. every other year, they win the, the, the Scudetto, and they never do anything in Europe. But, uh, so, you know, um, the only time that they were really any good was when was when Inter was running, um, Jose was running Inter, and they looked like they, you know, did they win the European Cup that year? They yeah, did, exactly they? right. Yeah. yeah, they did. Mm, that's it. There's been not much else from Italy since. But well, you know, they've got other teams coming through, and they don't. They're not interested in them. They they don't care about Napoli and what they're doing. I mean, I'd back Napoli to, to be winning um, a European Cup in front of the way Juventus seems to not have the stomach for the fight at that top level. That's on them. Yeah, you did set right. Well, let's let's cover something because um, we, 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 we're trying to keep this a bit of a shorter one tonight. So let's, let's cover what everyone else has talked about. Um, punishment. A, should there be punishment for the big six at least because we're focusing on the Premier League? And if so, what punishment is acceptable? And I don't want to hear one thing about the fans. I don't want to. I don't want to hear one more thing about it not being fair for fans. You only have to look at Leeds. You look at all. So many clubs have been absolutely smashed with points deductions. I don't want to hear about the fairness for fans. So I think. I think to be fair, I think that the fans of the majority of those clubs have been in lockstep with everyone else. Oh yeah, no, no, no problems about the fans, but I don't feel sorry for the. I don't I feel sorry for the fans. No, I'm not. No, I don't. The but they've but they've been a part of the solution, not the problem. The fans oh, are talking about. Not yeah, the clubs. definitely. But the clubs are now saying, "Hey, it's not fair to punish our fans." And and I just think, no, too bad, too sad. You did this. You punished your fans by going against the ethos of the Premier League and and uh, La Liga and so forth. So what should happen to these big six? What should the uh, FA or UEFA or anyone do? We'll start with you, Pete. I was hoping you'd go to John first, uh, but that's okay. (laughs) So, you know, um, it's a really tough one, obviously, because, you know, the decisions are being made by the owners. They're not actually being made by clubs. They're being made by the guys who own the clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, it, it's an incredibly tough one. Do I think that? Um, do I think that like a points deduction is going to be the best way? No, not really. Do I think that? Um, uh, look, the thing is, this European Super League model could end up being purely a pre-season tournament. It mm. could end up being a uh, an international 
event that takes place during, you know, uh, let's say a winter break that a winter break is played over in Dubai and they end up playing a three-week tournament there because all, all other competitions are on leave. Um, this Pete, you're this one format of the nicest could be done differently. You're one of the nicest guys I know. They were never planning that. They were planning the midweek competition and eventually break away from all those other leagues. You're too nice sometimes. What's the punishment? Uh, look, realistically, a lot of these owners, I do want to see them go. I do want to see new ownership come in and owners who are willing to respect history and respect football. And, uh, you know, money does talk, but attitudes make all the difference. So the punishment for you, from your point of view is get rid of the owners at the moment and, and bring in owners that are going to pass some kind of FA, I don't know, what would we call it, ethics test or something? Yeah, quite possibly. It could be, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, John, you definitely know all about the ethics tests uh, in terms of ownerships at Newcastle and you know how uh, fun those ones are. But it definitely feels like it has to come Mm. from higher up. Anyway, guys, I do need to jump out of this call, but thank you very much for having me on today. Pete, absolute legend. I'm glad I put you on the spot. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. See you, Pete. Take care. He's a good man. So he, he, he loves uh, – he is such a fair man. He can't even punish those, those clubs. John, what, what would you think would be a fair punishment for, for the big six? It's really such a, 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 a difficult question in that they, mm. you know, they put their feet in the water and a day later all those clubs in the Premier League bailed out, right? They could see the writing on the wall. Then they have their sacrificial lambs that they sack. I think that they were threatened with um, losing their status in the Premier competition, yep. uh, their main competition, which is the Premier League. I think if um, I think in lots of other circumstances, uh, teams have actually been deducted points. Um, they went and actually threatened everybody else. Yep. They held a a gun to the head of every other team in 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 England, and they. And and I think that they need to actually have all the exact same consequence. I think I think they should all be actually stripped of points. And I think teams that are not doing so well this year could end up in the bottom three. And that might be some of the big three, like the the big six, like Spurs and Arsenal, and 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 say, you know what? Guess what? Actually, just go and have a sit for a while. And, yep. and let us know how, what it feels like. Um, and, you know, um, supporters of the clubs and big-time voices were saying that's what had to happen. I don't think there's any doubt when you see Operation Big Picture, then this, um, that they're going to try it again. Oh, definitely. Um, I think that Real Madrid's still pulling. i tell you what, quite frankly, if I'm running La Liga, I'm saying to those guys, see you later. They've got forty. Is it forty percent of all the revenue of the TV? Oh no, so no, no, no! Pay their own comp. No, no. I think it's sixty or seventy percent. Sixty, whatever it is. The 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 model in Spain is beyond a joke. The yeah. fact that they're allowed to dominate on a world level without any 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 actual money at all, and get all the money from those rights, and is just it's just ludicrous. I mean. You're talking about in England the level playing field there at the Premier League and, and 
all the clubs under it. I don't really think Real and Barcelona give absolutely anything back to any of the other clubs, smaller clubs, down divisions or nothing. And they don't develop their own players. They bring them in from everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, I, I think I it think should... That, oh, I think they're two of the biggest bullies in world sport. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. Mate, I, I, I personally think that you've, it's a fine line. If we punish them too hard, we give them the excuse just to go and start the European Super League. If we don't punish them at all, at all they're going to be like, okay, well, that was pretty easy. Let's do it again. So I think it should be a one-year transfer ban and a 15-point deduction starting next season. So they start minus 15. Um, you know, the the Man Cities might make it up and it'll be a really tight competition, but I, I could see an Arsenal or a Tottenham getting relegated when they start on minus 15. Because as a player, do you want to start next season if you're on the fringe? Do you want to start next season minus 15? I don't know. I, I just think it... Yeah, it so, unless the owners go that that 15 point stays there. Yeah, but I mean, even then, I mean, who do we know who we're bringing in and who has the right to say who comes in and are we actually getting better? Well, they're talking about changing the rules. Of the law. I, I don't know. It's, it's so far removed from anything that we can hope to say or do. And I do, it's very difficult to you know, punish some holes, both. Yeah. Oh, you know, the thing about they would all go and take their bat and ball and go home. But like, you know what, man? I don't really know who's going to actually watch that comp over and over again. I have to say, the last couple of years, I couldn't have been more bored watching the Champions League. I totally agree and 100% agree. And I, we love our football, but it, it, the Champions League, it, it used to be the absolute pinnacle and I used to love it so much. The last couple of years, it's been boring. The football's been average. Like this morning, PSG and Man City, people are saying it was a great game. It wasn't a great game from what I saw. And I watched the majority of the game. Are Chelsea really going to be the champions of Europe again? I mean, it's really strange to to watch what's going on. I mean, they brought in mm. an incredibly good coach, obviously, and he's made a massive difference there, um, especially in that in that one-off with great players motivating them to play. But boy, oh boy, it's uh, pretty amazing to think that Chelsea could be the best team in Europe. It's pretty I'm scary. Not the best team in England by a mile. So what, what's the danger, as we finish this podcast, mate, what's the danger of the FA doing nothing? Oh, well, it just means that they're going to do it again. I mean, if, you, if you've if you got to – look, if look, let's go back to school context. If there's a school bully walking around and they keep punching kids in the nose and the teachers don't do anything and then they do do something and they take them away and say, look, don't do that again, what's the punishment? Well, nothing, back you go. They're going to yep. punch people in the nose again. Mate, I think, and, it has to be a, uh, I think it has to be a deduction. Yeah. I, I really do. I can't see. Look, I don't. I, Fifteen points might sound huge, but I think I think Leeds were deducted twelve or fifteen points. It's been done before. And it's been done so, plenty of times. So why can't these guys? Don't forget, Juventus got sent down to the nether regions of of Italian football because they're involved in a betting scam. They've still got the same ownership. Hundred percent. So, mate, I don't know. It, it, look. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, John. That's all right. I mean, you think about that. Think about that. That the biggest club in a sporting competition in the then elite and most highest level competition of that sport on the planet was sent away for like yep. five years because of a betting scandal and the ownership stayed in place. Stays. It's... 
yeah, it's it's beyond beyond reason. Mate, this story's not going to go away. I think it's I think it has faded very quickly, but I don't think it's going to go away. I think everyone's going to wait and see post Champions League, post this season, um, what the punishments will be. If there's no punishment, um, you know, I think it has the danger of driving a lot of people away from the Premier League altogether. Um, if I think the sports big... media's got a lot to answer for, and I would like to take my hat off to Gary Neville that right from the start, he was massively on the front foot. He called out, you know, he went and said some stuff that was incredible about his own club yep. and about Liverpool. And then he put the next level that was Arsenal and he had the other three as like, you know, whatever's. Um, What's that? But that he was, was and I thought he was quite right there that those three clubs are the heart and soul of football in England, along with a couple of other teams. Yep. Um, but whatever, they're the ones, they're the biggest clubs there. And and he just put on and said, you cannot do that to like the Port Vales, the Berries that don't exist anymore, Sunderland's, whatever, because they haven't always been the biggest clubs. No. They've been there for a long, long time. I thought the statement by Everton was brilliant. Um, Everton, who's got just as many trophies as pretty much anyone else. They made yep. Mike Ashley look good. How hard's that? <laughs> but I loved, as a, as a Villa supporter, I loved when people were putting up tables with Nottingham Forest and Villa have three titles, uh, European titles. Um, Tottenham and Chelsea and uh, Arsenal combined have less, you know, that kind of thing. It was just so good to see those kind of memes going up and especially, you know, European Champions League football's a long way off for our Celtics League. Yep. Yep. Castle's yep. even got a European trophy. Um, it, but historically speaking, and, and all that trophies-wise and all the rest of it, like, you know, Sunderland's got six titles. And six league titles. And we've said it, mate. Hey, that Sunderland Till I Die show, it, it summed up every single thing of, of what football means to a town and who, who it employs, whether it's in the kitchen and you got to see the kitchen lady and the people selling tickets at the front desk. And it is the fabric of that town. And and this Super 12, Super 15 European Super League will never, ever get that. They'll never get it again. Those owners don't get it. Those clubs have become so far removed from what they are. Let's just hope football's the winner in the end, mate. Look, we haven't solved anything tonight. I have so, mate. I hope so too. We haven't solved anything tonight, but I hope we've opened up a bit of discourse for others to continue. And uh, John, I always love having you on the podcast as my uh, co-host. And uh, we need to do a few more pretty quickly back to back. You guys can get us on well, I Love Sport. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I didn't want to cut. Hey, we're out of practice. I um, I love being on and it's nice to connect with all of our listeners out there. And if any of you guys are Spurs supporters, I'm sorry. I'm just winding you up. It's all right. You're, you're no, a great it's good. Special shout out to Johnny Mac. Is, Johnny Mac is a uh, Spurs supporter that, um, you know, Johnny Mac, Brisbane Raw supporter and yeah. now a Melbourne Victory supporter. He's one of the only true Spurs supporters I've known in my life. So, well, John, have a great weekend of sport. We'll, we'll do some podcasts very soon. We are the Love Sport Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.
Uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. We had a bit of a whinge about the European Super League and the landscape of sport. So if you want to uh, speak to us, get me on Paul underscore football or Pete Novikowski on Twitter or Lambic Peach as well. You can also get us on Love Sport on Facebook and Twitter. Send us a few messages, let us know what you think and uh, join the argument, conversation and uh, peace out.